And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Michael Card. He's a songwriter and artist, often heard on Redeemer Broadcasting. He's recorded over 37 albums and authored over 25 books. He lives in Franklin, Tennessee, where he works with some close friends pursuing racial reconciliation, neighborhood renewal. He and his wife, Susan, have four children, one grandchild. And Michael, it's, it's an honor to have you with us today. Thanks, Dan. Now, today we want to think about racial reconciliation and the necessity of community uh, among God's people and maybe a special focus on being in a local church. Um, to set this up, uh, Michael, we've all seen uh, unscrupulous politicians using race and class warfare and separating groups of people who really should be at peace with each other. And some leaders seem to want to divide and conquer so they can get reelected and continue to control people. They're very effective at their craft, and, and often... I do wonder if sometimes folks uh, don't even perceive that they're being controlled and losing their God-given freedoms. And walls are being set up where none should exist because of Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering if um, you can get us started today. How can we pursue peace as God's people in a way that will bring glory to the great head and king of the church, our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I, I think the shooting in Charleston, uh, that Bible study, is a great um, example of, uh, of a community of people who, I mean, they were there, uh, a community around God's Word, when someone came in and started shooting. And uh, the response of that church was almost perfect. Uh, I remember one interview, uh, there was an older woman they were talking to, and they said, uh, they were asking her all these questions about the shooter and blah, blah, blah. And then she finally just kind of broke down and said, you know what, we we just need for you guys to leave us alone so that we can work on forgiving this young man. Mm. And uh, (laughs) I thought, wow, the the clarity, she was doing her best to be gracious to this, uh, you know, reporter who, like you said, was just trying to stir things up. And um, so, you know, I think for me, I look, I've learned much more from the, the... african-american community about the, the grace has always come to me from them and i think that was just another another example we we, you know, we all of us we quote you know dr king and and um you know people like people like him so i mean i i just think that the the, the gospel is is very real uh in um in that particular community i think there's been a resonance from from the time of the before the civil war um with this person of Jesus who who is a servant, who is a slave, who washes feet and dies like a slave. Mm. And I, 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 I've just, I've, I've learned an awful lot from being part, uh, being very graciously accepted into uh, the black community here, both, at, both in Bowling Green, where I was a student and went to a church there called Cecilia Memorial Presbyterian Church, the black church, and also a church here that... Um, I went to for about seven years. I, I still uh, attend a Bible study there, uh, First Missionary Baptist Church, which is also a black church. Yeah, I've learned more um, from the response to the community and what they still have to deal with. I think you're correct. I think the, the political climate climate here is is to try to tear down those the, the advances that w- have been made. But uh, I don't think ultimately it's ever gonna it's ever gonna happen. They'll, they'll momentarily seem to win, but. Uh, as we like to sing in our church, he got the whole world in his hands. 
do certain scriptures come to mind as you think about this this very important subject? And anything come to mind? Yeah, in fact, this was this was a about a fifteen year lesson here for us in Franklin. Uh, we we prayed for a revival for about well about twelve years. We prayed, and when the re- revival came, you know, we thought it was going to be a big Billy Graham type revival and get a bunch of people saved and that sort of thing. But when the revival came, it was reconciliation. And the verse that uh, God is reconciling the world to Himself through Christ, the gospel is reconciliation, and that we've been given, you know, the gift of reconciliation, says Paul. And I think um, that that helped me understand sort of the, the big picture uh, better than anything did. You know, we we're we're called to reconciliation, uh, not not to dividing up. Uh, because of our skin or because of, I mean, I think even, almost even worse, uh, we divide up because of theological differences over minute theological differences, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just another form of pride. And uh, There's a lot of reconciliation that needs to happen. Mm. It seems when God's church gets under attack um, with persecution, sometimes it helps the blinders fall off our eyes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. There's um, a number of scriptures that came to my mind before the call this morning. I was thinking about looking up, reading, and um, one was from Galatians 3.28, where it says there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, this, is, this is something that seems uh, unique in the history of the world, the way the person of Jesus Christ when we're truly um, in love with him, mm-hmm. when we've been repentant of our sins, where by his spirit he has made a change in our lives. Th- this is just so unique, it seems. Well, I, I think the gospel reduces us uh, t- to that sort of one common need. I mean, to think, I mean, what the most fundamental division is male and female, but even that's done away with. And, and I think the reason it's done away with is, is that the gospel speaks to that that need that that goes beyond you know our our, our sex or our um, race or or, or or all those divisions. There's this one thing that really does unite us, but it, it's our need. It's not you know it's not our cleverness or isn't God lucky that we're on His team. I think uh, this need for Christ, this need for salvation, uh, for redemption, for reconciliation. That's the that's this this uh, all aspects of one need. That uh, that the gospel speaks to, and you look at the life of Jesus, and he's he's actualizing that almost from the very beginning. I mean, he's uh, he's uh, Luke. Luke is the person that's most interested in this. He's very interested in the fact that uh, the gospel is going out to people like shepherds who are very marginalized, and women who were especially marginalized. He's very interested in the Gentile mission. I mean, all of those barriers, almost from the beginning, I mean, even, I mean, at the birth of Jesus, there's already this, you know, we've got wise men who are, you know, wealthy, elite people from Persia, and we've got shepherds who are really the bottom bottom of the, of the barrel. Mm. You've got all these people coming together. You've got this, you know, this, you know, teenage girl from Nazareth who would have been very marginalized, would have been, uh, we would have passed her on the street and never looked twice. And yet, you know, God's going to use her to, to in it, as part of His plan, um, and that and that didn't stop. I mean, that just kept the snowball kept going, 
you know, Jesus has um, the, the, you know, women, again, you know, who are the witnesses of the resurrection? Women. I mean, that's, that is entrusted to them. They financially support Jesus' ministry. Uh, mm. The disciples come, the woman at the well, they're not surprised he's talking to a Samaritan, because Galileans spoke to Samaritans all the time. They're surprised that he's talking to a woman, because men didn't speak to women in public. So all of those things, you know, the Pharisees are upset that he's so open to someone like Matthew. You know, it's just almost every page of the Gospel in this very um, persistent, I don't know, good, a good word, adamant word. Uh, he's very adamant about this. And that's something that really speaks to me when I read the Gospels. Jesus just doesn't say it. He does it. He, he lives it out. Yeah. This all gets boiled down in a very practical way, apparently, in the ministries that you've been involved in. If you're free to share... Can you give us an example of, of how the Lord has worked in your neighborhood? You, you spoke of revival. You t- spoke yeah. of 12 years of praying yeah. for God to meet his people powerfully. What are some of the things that have happened that you've seen? Well, I just, uh, this happened just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I go to, on Wednesday um, at noon, I go to a, a homeless Bible study that we have in, in a neighborhood, uh, one of the neighborhoods in Franklin. And one of the things we learned early on is that these, these kind of ministries, if, if, they're, if we have minority leadership, it works much better. And so this Bible, Bible study is led, led by a guy who's been a friend, of, a good friend for probably 20 years. Uh, uh, Anthony Pickett is his name. He works at the GM plant, but he is a brilliant Bible uh, teacher. Anyway, there's a guy who's been part of this study, again, for years and years. We feed everybody, and then we, 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 we study the Bible. There's a guy named Mo. Um, uh, Mo is uh, uh, just this real character, and again, he's been coming to the Bible study for years. Um, he he came one day and flip he came flip flops one day, and he was missing a toe. And I go, you know, what? Hey, I got to hear the story about this. And Mo says, <laughs> he's a, he's an older guy. He goes, you ever heard of a four ten shotgun? He shot his toe off when he was fourteen years old. So I call him Mo the Toe now, and he and he loves that. You know, he loves the kind of the camaraderie. But anyway, I'm sitting next to my friend, and Mo is over there, and he's he's starting to really share his life, and it's taken years for this to happen. He's sharing from his life and kind of what his struggles are with God. You know, why does God do things the way he does? I'm sitting next to my best friend, Scott, and I and I look over and I said, I got, Scott, I love Mo. <laughs> it was this huge moment for me. I realized that I really love this guy. Uh, and uh, the next week was his birthday, and we got him a birthday cake, and it's just we're just celebrating this old, sweet old guy who would do anything for you. Uh, and I think it's just it's those it's kind of those those kind of baby steps where all of a sudden you realize, yeah, 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 we're supposed to, in theory, you know, reconciliation, blah blah blah, quote the Bible verses and all this stuff. But then all of a sudden you realize that you're sitting and you look across the room, and here's this old black guy that I've known for years, and I realize I really love this guy. Mm. He's um, he's an interesting guy, and he's he he's grew up in Louisiana, so he's got all kinds of stories, and uh, he's just a good guy, and he's he's the kind of person, um, you know, I, I I would trust him with my life. Yeah. He's just a good guy, and uh, and again, you would see Mo, and you would pass him on the street, and you would look twice, not realizing that here's a guy with an incredible story, and who who is in. In process, I mean, I think he made a, a commitment to the Lord a long time ago, but I think he's rediscovering that now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 but it's those kind of things. It's those, it's those moments where, you know, uh, 
I don't know. God, God allows you to stop and realize, you know, he, he really is doing his thing. And it's not just, I'm not just here because this is the, kind of the gospel thing to do and these are, these are people I should reach out to or whatever. You realize, no, they've, they've really reached out to me and accepted me into their world. They've opened the door of their life to me and they really had no reason to. <laughs> and, and there really is something happening and it takes time. But, uh, yeah, Mo, Mo the toe. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, it sounds like um, these paths to friendship come slow, and they're just simple steps. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just time. It's just a matter of spending time. Hmm. And, in fact, when we first started this, one of the, the pastors of, of, of the church, who since, he since died, his name was Denny Denson, R.L. Denson. And uh, Denny used to say, um, you know, because we were kind of tiptoeing around, afraid we were going to offend somebody. And Denny would say, hey, do something. Because mm-hmm. even, if, even if it's the wrong thing, do something. Yeah. And, uh, and that, I think that was a good, that was a good uh, lesson. It, it's, it's, it's liberating to just get moving and do something. Absolutely, yeah. Amen. Just do something. You've written a lot of songs. Is there a particular song that comes to your mind that, deals with this wonderful theme of brothers uniting? Mm. Um, I think my my favorite, I didn't write the song, but we were in the studio one day, and Denny, this guy, I'll tell, I mentioned uh, Pastor Denson, Denny had been a Black Panther in Chicago in the 60s, and he would describe himself uh, as a man of violence. He said, the Lord took the, took the garment of violence off me and clothed me with the garment of grace. Oh, amen. He was a remarkable guy. Well, we were sitting in the studio one day, and he's he's not not particularly a singer, but uh, uh, I said, "What's your favorite song?" And he goes, he starts singing this song, "Walk with Me, Lord, Walk with Me." Uh, all along this tedious journey, you know, I want Jesus to walk with me. I said, "Hey, well, get in there on the microphone and sing that." <laughs> and so, we, you know, we just record Denny, you know, and he it, his pitch was actually perfect. He sang all the way through a cappella and maintained the pitch. Not many people could do that. I certainly could do it. And then I went back in and played the banjo to it, and we, we built a whole track around it. And oh, I forget wow. which album it's on, but it's, uh, yeah, it's Denny. It's this, this uh, older guy. He'd been in Vietnam, um, and he died of uh, uh, pancreatic cancer about five years ago. Oh. But it's, it's Denny singing Walk With Me. Oh, my. And, uh, and, he, and I'll tell you, after, when, when, at his funeral, we played the recording of him singing. Everybody just, you know, broke down. But he, <laughs> he was a remarkable guy. Who was um, who went through his own experience? He was very, as a pastor in this little church, he had his own issues with with the white community. And uh, my best friend Scott Rowley, we his he was bringing the youth into the neighborhood, and we were painting porches and putting air conditioners in people's windows and stuff like that. And we got a message from Denny, this pastor Denson. You know, he said, uh, "I'm not impressed." He said, when, when the kids are sick at 3 o'clock in the morning, they're not going to call you. They call me. Mm-hmm. And so the way our, this whole movement started was my friend Scott Rowley went, went to the church, and Denny was there, and they wept and apologized to each other, and that's really how the whole thing started. Mm. Um, and that's, they started meeting to, to pray, and Scott asked me, and Denny had a, one of his mentors, Dr. Ben Johnson, who was the first black teacher at Moody Bible College, He's retired to Franklin. Uh, ben, the four of us started praying, and it just started growing. And that's where that 
and we were praying for revival. Again, we 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 didn't think it was going to be reconciliation. We thought it was going to be Billy Graham. Yes. Uh, but that that's how that whole thing started. These two brothers confessing, and and uh, and and I can remember we 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 had a group. <laughs> it, this thing grew fairly quickly, and uh, there was one of the pastors uh, who was uh, who was doing his best. He's a white guy who um, I don't know, just uh, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, he just wasn't connecting on a lot of different ways. And he 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 says to Scott, he goes, you know, I don't think Denny likes me. <laughs> And Scott, says, you're right. He doesn't because <laughs> of various things this guy would say. I don't think Denny likes me. Yeah, you're right. He really doesn't. <laughs> he caught and we, on. So we had to work that out. Hmm. <laughs> it seems like um, you're praying, and God answers your prayers in the way that He decides. Yeah, He always gives you what you should have asked for. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that neat? Yeah, thank goodness. Thank yeah. you for these people who think, you know, if I just get the formula right, God, I can get God to do anything I want to. Um, you know, like I say, guess again. Uh, yeah. you know, I want him to give me what, what he knows I need. And boy, you know, sometimes it's not what I think what I think it's going to be. Years ago in, in the history of the Bible, there was, uh, Ephesians alludes to it when it talks about, he himself is our peace, yeah. who has made the two groups won and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And we think of the food laws that set apart the Jewish community, the ceremonial laws. Right, and that dividing wall of hostility is the, the wall that went, you know, was the inside wall of the court of the Gentiles. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a Jew-Gentile thing that Paul's talking about. Yeah, what a, what a marvelous work God has done there, and he repeats these works in our own day. Yeah. No, he's, yeah, he's, like I say, he got the whole world in his hand. He's still doing his thing. And uh, Steve Green, you know, the singer, who's a really good friend of mine, um, mm-hmm. he said one time, we were praying, and he said, Lord, if you're doing your thing over there, please don't let me be over here doing my thing. I want to be, I want to be where you're doing your thing. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah it, it really is. And, um, mm-hmm. and so this idea of tearing down walls, and uh, making the two one, and and he himself is our peace. I mean, it really is incarnational. That's the thing. Uh, it's not this principle of peace as some ideal that we should aim for. You know, God doesn't drop a book from the sky that talks about peace and how we're supposed to love each other. He incarnates and and in fleshes. You know, what does forgiveness look mm-hmm. like? What is you know, what does God doing His thing look like? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think uh, that's another thing about this movement. I don't think you get it until you see somebody doing it. You don't read Martin Luther King quotes <laughs> and get it. Right. I think you you come into relationship. I mean, the very first time I visited uh, First Missionary Baptist, I was the only white guy in in in, in there, <laughs> and uh, and uh, one old older woman, not not in, in, unkind, but and she said, you know, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, and I said, "Well, I'm Denny's friend." Denny was preaching, so I sit down, and I sit next to a woman I didn't know then. I came to know her; she came to be a good friend. Her name was Dinah, Dinah Smith, and Dinah holds my hand. Okay, she didn't say hello, welcome to our church. <laughs> I sat down, and she takes my hand. <laughs> well, I'm looking around; nobody else is holding hands, but she's holding my hand. Yeah. And every time Denny makes a point, she squeezes. She's squeezing my hand. So <laughs> after a while, I get. I go. Well, I guess it's just what they do with visitors. I don't know. And uh, but then I find out Dinah is uh, raised seventy-five foster kids, black and white. Really. And she 
adopted me that Sunday morning. That's beautiful. Yeah, and she and her she and her her, her husband Bob Bob sack uh, was a sack groceries at at, uh, at, Gro- at Kroger's and uh, every we we have these Martin Luther King days and I and Bob never came to them and I was coming back from one do our little march down to the courthouse and then back and I came back to Kroger's and there's Bob I go Bob you know man we missed you why you know why didn't you why didn't you come and this old black guy said why do you why do you guys have to do that. I said, well, I think, you know, I think we need to, you know, remember. He said, you know, you, he goes, you guys show the movies with the, the police dogs, you know. He said, you know why I don't like it? He said, I'm embarrassed for you. Mm. And there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of emotion behind this. He said, I'm embarrassed for you. He's pointing at me, you know, his white friend. I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> and, um, you know, again, I would have never dreamed that that was his problem. Yeah. His problem was the whole thing he was afraid was going to be embarrassing and humiliating me. And, of course, to a certain degree, it is embarrassing to me. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of things you don't get. I, I would have never understood that. You know, this idea of this, this woman reaching out. And I, I don't know, maybe she didn't, maybe she was too shy to say anything. The only thing she could do is just grab me. And, but that was, that's how she loved people. Mm-hmm. And you'd ask her, you know, you know Dinah, how, how is it that you... You adopt 75 children. And she said, she would say, well, if I don't love them, who's going to? Yes. That was her response. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, This comes down to really loving people. Yeah. Um, Years ago, you just reminded me of something. Uh, When our kids were young, um, we had a friend. We called her our black aunt Dot, you know, Uh for the the kids. And uh, she was just our friend. And, and. She often would eat with us. Um, my in-laws would have us over to eat, and Aunt Dot would be there. <laughs> and she was just great fun. And um, it just kind of became like a family member. Yeah. Um, and it was just very, very natural. We're um, close on time. Is there a portion of Scripture that has become especially dear to you in working over the past 10, 20 years with folks and reconciliation, any portion of Scripture that really stands out in your mind? Well, I mean, for me, it's going to be something from the life of Jesus, and I, I, I don't think you can, you can get past uh, e- either, uh, either the woman at the well or the, the woman taking an adultery, both in John. Yes. For, for, you know, for examples of, of, again, here's Jesus, in proximity to someone who's very broken in both cases, especially the woman at the well. Here's here's a woman who's who the kind of person who is uh, whose life is really she's probably living at the level of poverty anyway. Uh, she's been in five abusive relationships and now she's probably in a sixth one because she's with a man who doesn't love her enough to marry her. And you know people whose lives are like this because they continually make bad choices and and uh, that kind of thing and. And Jesus still comes into their lives. He's, he's not going to leave, right? She knows he's not going to leave. He's going to be there as long as she needs him to be there. Mm. And she's very excited at the fact that he has opened the door of his life to her. And for me, um, you know, you can read sort of theological you know, passages that state the principle, and those are all great, like we've been talking about these passages from Paul. But to me, I look at the life of Jesus, and I see this person who comes in, Probably, you know, not not the best idea that he's in, in, in this Samaritan village, although Galileans went through Samaria all the time, Josephus tells us. 
but he's talking to someone he's not supposed to talk to. Yeah, he's doing stuff he's not supposed to do, and um, and I think you know that's that's kind of uh, it's this little image of this of what it's supposed to look like incarnated. This man who who, is in, who engages, who opens his life to her, who is um, who offers her, who you know first of all asks her for a drink. So he's you know he's kind of welcoming her by asking her to fulfill you know this need he has. And then there's this marvelous give and take between Jesus and this woman, and the impact of it is obvious. I mean, she is she runs back into town. She's really excited that she's <laughs> met this guy, and I think it's those kinds of exchanges. That's that's what excites me. Amen. Uh, you know, but, uh, Denny, our, our our pastor, used to say, "Go open the door of your life to someone who's not like you," and Jesus did that over and over. Again. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're out of time. I wish we could keep going. Today we've been talking with Michael Card, the songwriter. And Michael, thank you so very much for joining us today. You're welcome. I love talking about this. Really appreciate it. And dear listener, you can find this up on our website as a podcast. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me. Walk with me, Lord, God, walk with me. While I'm on this old tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. Take my hand, Lord, take my hand. Take my hand, Lord, take my hand While I'm on this old tedious journey I want Jesus to walk with me Walk with me.